So welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. Joining me via uh, Zoom technology is Mr. Brent Henderson. And um, before we get into, uh, I'm going to want to start this out with you kind of sharing your background, what you do, who you are. Um, but the main reason that we're, what we're going to be discussing today is you, you've had a book recently come out uh, called The Roar Within. Um, and we'll talk about that further. But first off, thank you for coming on the show today. And uh, if you could just kind of introduce yourself and who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Um, I'm Brent Henderson. And, uh, you know, I was in music for a long time and God just kind of moved me over to um, doing my passion, which has always been hunting. And then just kind of moving it into a way to be able to write books instead of write songs. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I, I do now. I speak and I write and uh, just take a lot of great adventure stuff and capture all those things and put them in a story form, you know, and things that in ways that, you know, guys will listen and uh, there's always a benefit to it. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's in a nutshell. I was in music for a long time uh, in Christian music. I don't know if you know Stephen Curtis Chapman or any different ones, but mm-hmm. he and I toured together for a while and, just some other bands. And so, yeah, that was my background, but my passion really is the outdoors. Okay. Where, where'd you grow up, Brent? Uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Is that where all the hunting roots started and all that? Yeah, it is. You know, my dad wasn't a hunter. You know, what's so funny is, you know, I grew up just whitetail's a big deal in Pennsylvania. You know, that's yeah. still, people always ask, you know, what's your favorite thing to hunt? And I say, you know, I've hunted all over the world and there's no question about it. I still love whitetail, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to not be seen, heard or smelled, you know, the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, to be able to full all those senses and to be successful, no matter what the size of the deer is, you know, you're successful. So in Pennsylvania, um, it was a big deal. Four o'clock in the morning, you could look across the valleys and you'd see all the lights on because everyone's getting ready to go hunting. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of moved to Indiana, you know, back around about 1981, I guess it was. I went to college out here. And uh, so I miss it. I miss being in Pennsylvania. I miss the, you know, we didn't have great turkey hunting as a kid there. We had, you know, ruffled grouse and we had pheasant, uh, but we didn't have many turkey. And now, I mean, it's, it's a, it's actually a pretty killer state for turkey now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jordan and I hunted Pennsylvania. I've got, a, I've got a turkey on Pennsylvania one time and that was back in, I want to say 2018. Um, and it was incredible. Um, when yeah, Easterns are pretty tough. They can be. They, they, they're definitely tough down here. But it, it was just, I don't know, I, part of, and I'm sure you're the same way, part of the allure to me to hunt in different, hunt in different states is more than just being able to check the box and say I hunted this state. I just like experiencing different country and what that particular state has to offer. And coming from Mississippi, you know, Pennsylvania, the area we were in, it was just, it was, it was so pretty up there. Lots of terrain, lots of different topography. Um, it, it, we had a really fun time. It was yeah, that'll time. always be home. Sure. Yeah, sure. So, so tell me about, before we go into what, what the book's about per se, to what, what led you to write this book? I mean, because writing a book is no small undertaking. You, have, you must have some kind of driving force to make you say, I'm going to write this book. You know, you had to have some sense of conviction there to lead you to do that. Yeah. Well, that's a big question to unpack you know it's it's one of those things where you know I grew up in a, in a Christian family but it was it was pretty pretty works-based and I think you probably know what I mean that it was more about what you do and not really understanding who you are and your identity and as I got older you know and, and we all go through those difficult times we make mistakes in our life and and uh, it was just one of those things where God revealed to me grace mm-hmm. and 
it was something that totally flipped my life upside down. And that was one of the things that was really the motivator because the motivator to the whole book is to help men really understand who they are, because we all think it's, you know, how big we are, how tough we are, how big the buck was I got last year, whatever the thing was, or how long the spurs were. Yeah. And, you know, when I do, I speak for wild game dinners a lot and you'll see the guys beforehand, you know, they're all pulling their cell phones out and comparing, you know, the buck they got last year and the other guys will look at mine, you know, because <laughs> somehow we think our worth and value comes from how successful we were, how big yeah. the animal was. And, when we live in that kind of mentality where it's our performance and what other people think about us, it's what I call the performance wheel. You know, it's like a hamster wheel and we all know what snakes do to hamsters. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's one of those things where I really had a passion for guys to understand their really their true identity and not is what we would call the poser. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Um, what are the, like the biggest things as far as like things in the book that, that stuck to me or things that jumped out at me right from the get go is you listed off um, kind of, I think you made the comparison, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you started off talking about the big five in, in Africa and yeah. you made it into like, like the big five struggles in a man's life. Am I, am I saying that terminology? Yeah. Right? The big five man killers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it made a lot of sense, you know, listed off like that. Uh, was right here. We've got like uh, lack of purpose, lack of respect, anger, lust, and shame. Um, and I know you kind of you touch on that in the book, but um, if you could, you know, if you don't mind, kind of go over how you how you came to those five, like how like where you got to that listing those off particularly. Yeah, I mean, it's I'll unpack it a little bit. You know, I was in Africa, and we were over there on a safari. And we had some time to kind of play around. We had a couple of weeks and we said, man, let's go to Kruger National Park. I mean, if you took Pennsylvania and stood it up on end, that's how big Kruger is. Guys don't realize it. You know, it's the home to the big five. Like I said, you know, you've got uh, the rhino, you've got the lion, you've got the Cape buffalo, you've got the elephant, you've got the leopard. And so there was one night we were in a little area called Balule, which is right near the Oliphant River. And you've got these, the Timbabadi lion prides and everything. And, you know, you, you can hear them at night when you're, you know, laying under the Southern Cross you know, at nighttime, it's just a whole different hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And I was grilling out some, some raw meat, you know, and you could smell it and it was getting dark. And I looked through this little chain link fence that was kind of surrounding. It's kind of pretty iffy and sketchy. <laughs> and I see these eyes about three feet off the ground looking at me. And I'm thinking, what am I looking at? And pretty soon is the, is the, the flicker of the, of the fire got a little bit bigger. I could see it was a full grown male spotted hyena. He was alone. You know, it's not that big of a deal when they're kind of alone. And so he came up and he marked his territory right against the fence. And there's nobody around. My buddy looks at me and he goes, what are you going to do about that? I said, well, I'm going to mark my territory. <laughs> so I, I walk over to the fence right where he had marked it and I mark my territory. And we're laughing, you know, and the hiney comes back up a couple minutes later and he marks his territory again. And he goes, now what are you going to do? I said, hey, it's OK. I saved a little. <laughs> so I, I walk back down and I mark my territory again. And as we're kind of laughing about this, we're sitting there watching about maybe a quarter of a mile behind this hyena, you know, back in the, the African bush. I hear this. It was a full grown male lion. You know, he was on the prowl and that hyena put his tail between his legs and he was gone because a lion never bows to a hyena. And so that little thing, watching that the whole roar within Understanding that, you know, and, and from my Christian perspective, and I know you share that too, you know, Jesus never bows to the enemy. Right. And so 
I began, I, I got this quest to kind of figure out how could I tie the big five together with the big five struggles that men deal with. So I have a, a private Facebook group called Dangerous Men. And I said, hey, guys, here's about 15, 20 things that guys get hit with. I want you to pick the top five that you struggle with. And I'm going to keep track of them to see which ones, you know, number one, two, three, four, five. And man, it wasn't even close. Number one was lack of purpose, hands down. And I honestly thought it was going to be lack of respect. You know, I figured lust would be maybe one or two. Lust actually came out number four. And so the order they went in was uh, was lack of purpose, uh, lack of respect, anger, which we all know men have that right under the hood sometimes. Somebody cuts us off in traffic, you know, we can feel it. Yeah. And then lust and then shame. And that's kind of how those came about. Yeah. Um, the thing that, and if we can... It just makes sense to me, or it may it would make sense to me to go and kind of just go over each of those five kind of in more detail because I like, well, let's let's go ahead and relate this to more real life experiences, right? It, it, it's just so I, again, when when number one was lack of purpose, it kind of took me off surprise at first, too. But um, so again, real life experience when me and you were talking about getting together and doing this podcast, I told you just a few days ago, I, my truck got stolen at yeah. a city here. And first I got really, I mean, I'm, I'd be lying if I said I still wasn't mad about it, but then I started really thinking about the individual that did that. And I, you know, I saw some of the security footage that was on that they had and it was a man that stole the truck and it right. And it coincided with, with, you know, trying to get prepared for doing this interview with you and thinking about that. And so where my head went after I, after the initial just mad and, you know, angry at the situation kind of calmed down, I sat there and I thought about it, tried to, and I was like, where did that, you know, what happened in that man's life, that particular man's life to lead him to where he's still in trucks from people. He's still in people's automobiles. Yeah. Yep. Do you think that guy has struggles with a lack of purpose in his life? And I yeah. know that's kind of a that's kind of a big scaled thing, but the, in my mind, again, looking at this, like it was just an example of how these things can snowball. Oh man, I'll tell you what. Whenever I speak to guys, and I do a lot of men's retreats, I always start off. I say, "Get your pens out. I'm going to give you three words that we're going to talk about, and everything comes down to these three words. Are you ready?" And then I say, "Identity, identity, and identity." Lack of purpose comes down to my identity because a man's biggest question is, you know, am I enough? Do I have what it takes? Yeah. And if we believe somehow that we don't, you know, it'll knock us down and we find ourselves getting in trouble. Um, you know, we, we guys will get out and they'll be, you know, with women or they're trying to prove who they are by fighting or how much money they make or all that kind of stuff. And when you ask the question, you think this guy might have been struggling with that? Well, yeah, I think when when people get knocked down um, and they're not able to do the things that they love or that they're really good at, um, that whole lack of purpose thing, when it's robbed from us, what we end up doing is we end up acting out because we're trying to feel better about ourselves for the moment. And it might've been the money. You know, if he could sell this truck and he gets the money, he's feeling better about himself or he feels like he's got more worth and value if he was able to pull off the theft, right? Um, didn't you say my book was laying on the front seat? It was in the, it was in the, it was in the truck. It was in See, the- I think he stole the truck just to get my book. He maybe have. <laughs> yeah, he might have. It was, I, yeah, because I was reading, like I said, I was in preparation for this podcast and it was, yeah, he had the copy of your book. So he's got it now. Maybe he'll read it. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, isn't it, that could be pretty crazy. <laughs> but no, it lack of purpose, man. It, it definitely last year, you know, with all my speaking events being canceled starting in March 12th or 14th of last year. Yeah. That's what I do, man. I love to write and I love to speak. 
And when my phone kept ringing off the hook saying, hey, we got to cancel. Here I am going, now what do I do? Yeah, That's what I do, right? right? And one of the things that men we fall into is, what's the first thing that a man says to another man after he's been introduced to him? You know, it's what do you do for a living? Yeah, what do you do? What's your yeah, somehow we've tied together what we do with who we are. Yeah. And uh, man, it's it's just, again, it's that, it's that performance wheel. It's that trap that we all find ourselves falling into. Yeah. And I'm sure every, not just every person that will listen to this episode can relate to that because it's, because not because even if they don't deal with that firsthand, they've seen it in a family member or a friend. Everyone knows I've, I've struggled with that where you put, like you said, you stake what you are. It's not, this isn't your, this isn't just my job. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is my purpose. This is me. This podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt. The Onyx Hunt app is something that we do not go to the spring turkey woods without, truly. It's something that we use every single day. You've already heard Jordan mention it um, from the Iowa trip. He was talking about checking the topo maps. We've uh, talked about before how important topography is. We use the topo maps on Onyx all the time, and that's just one of the features. There's property lines. If you hear a turkey gobbling, you don't know where he's at. Is he across the property line? Is he on you? You have the ability to drop and save waypoints if you want to mark where you saw a turkey, if you want to mark where you found turkey sign, if you want to mark a roost tree. If you're trying to send a buddy to a spot, you can you can drop a waypoint and share a waypoint to them. There's, there's so many features. I mean, there really is. Waypoints, topo lines. Uh, offline maps if you're hunting somewhere where you don't have service you can save the map it's called an offline map and you can use it even if you have cell phone service or not there's there's limitless amounts of things from the onyx hunt app so check it out today the onyx hunt app use the promo code primos 20 to save 20 percent your onyx hunt membership i can tell you one thing that i think that your guys will relate to very much on this i was working at the shot show uh year before last mm-hmm. year ago january i guess it was before they shut everything down and there was a, uh, a popular television show, outdoor show. I'm not going to say who it was or what the show was, but the guy walked up and he was getting ready to go sign autographs in his booth. You know how all, all that game is played. And he came over and we started talking and he, he didn't really know me. He started asking me you know, what I do and I was telling him. And I talked to him about a little bit about identity and he started to cry. I mean, really? And he was like, nobody was like watching him. And he said, man, he goes, I'm getting ready to go over and sign autographs. And he goes, and this is the last year we're doing the show. And he goes, my whole identity has been wrapped up in people knowing me, you know, my worth and value coming from, Hey, I have a television show. And he said, frankly, I'm scared to death. I'm not sure what to do with myself after this is over with. He goes, I was sitting on my porch the other day, just sitting at the rock and going, who am I going to be once this is over with? Yeah. It's identity, man. Everything comes down to identity because if we still think that our worth and value comes from what we do, we're going to do our best to try to get everybody else's good opinion. And we're going to pursue that. And uh, man, it's just, a, it's just a trap. Yeah. Man, look, I, I'm just, I'm going to be read. I'm just going to be, again, I've said this on this podcast before. One of the main reasons we started doing this podcast or one of the main, I guess, platforms that we said we were going to lay on is that we were going to be honest on this. You know, this is going to be authentic because I, I truly believe people are naturally drawn to authenticity. So I I've count myself very blessed to have been born into the family that I was born into, to have been um, through my raising and, and my growing up. I, I've been able to, um, I guess, build around me. I have several close friends and, and close friends that have the same belief system that I do. 
that, that truly care about me and help keep me grounded. And we do, you know, we hold each other accountable. We keep each other on the same plane. So to your point, you know, um, I was hired on with Primos in 2014, straight out of college. I was 20, 20 years old, 21. Yeah. 21 years old. And, uh, you know, it, when we first started doing it in 2014, the streaming stuff, the YouTube shows wasn't as big. Um, it was still mainly on shows. And so everything I did my first year didn't come out to like a year later. And in the grand scheme of things, the, the attention I got or the notoriety I got is minuscule. But in my 21 year old mind, I went from being anonymous to all of a sudden there's people that kind of know, kind of know who I am. And it freaked me out a little bit. And, and that's where, like I said, I've struggled with that before I started to put so much stake in my affiliation with Primo's and that's who I am. And like I said, had I not had a support system and the friends I have, to keep me grounded and going, slow down. You know, that's that we're, you know, this is a great job you have here. I still, I love this job. I love this yeah. company. I love this brand, but that's not who I am. That's not what I'm staked in. You know what I'm saying? The phone rang for this book. Okay. When I was looking for endorsements mm-hmm. and I'm going to tie this right back to what you were saying. And I pick up the phone and I hear this, is this Brent? <laughs> and you know exactly who I'm going to say. And I'm going, man, that sounds like Will. But why would Will be calling me? Well, instantly I felt this rush of, hey, Will Primos is calling me? Mm-hmm. Well, we have a mutual friend, Chris Parrish. Okay. And uh, Chris knew about this book I was working on. And I had made a comment in passing to him. I said, man, I would love to have Will endorse this. And I was kind of half joking, but thought, of course it'd be great. Chris gave him my phone number. And the next thing I know, he's calling me on the phone. I thought somebody was punking me, right? <laughs> but nobody sounds like Will. And I knew his voice. And, you know, I discovered, you know, I, you know, being in music for so long, you know, I had, I had a lot of, you know, I was, I had four number one hits in Christian music and 14 top tens and got to be on the big tours all around the world. And so I've been through that feeling of, Hey, I've got worth and value because of what I do and what people think right. only to come crashing down in my own life to realize that has nothing to do with who I am. And that those people that are out there that are famous, they put their pants on the same way. And, and Will, one of the things I love, and this is kind of funny, it, my dad passed away in 20, November 2014. And I was at the ATA show in Indianapolis, I think it was in 2015, first morning. And I was feeling really down because my dad had just passed away about a month earlier. And Jimmy was standing there and he was in front of me in line, Primos. And, uh, he turns around, he looks at me, he goes, no, you're looking down, son. And I said, ah. I said, yeah, I said, it's my pre-robbers. I just, I just lost my dad, you know. And he said, tell me about it. And I told him the story and he put his arm around me and he said, man, I'm going to pray for you. And then I went to get breakfast and he goes, you know what? This is on me. And when you see people that are real like that, mm-hmm. you can tell they're grounded. And I can't even imagine, you know, having the popularity of some of these people that are out there with all that. And, and for those of us who had a chance to work with, you know, them, you know, we can find ourselves getting some kind of worth and value because we get to be included in that. Yeah. Yep. And it can it can it can eat you up, you know, if you, if you really don't understand where your worth and value comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, man, yeah, there's just a lot to unpack there. But, man, I when you said that, I, I was thinking, man, being with Primo, you know, when I was young, uh, that would have been one of my dreams too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's where, like I said, I, I've, I've been, very, I've never been, I don't think I've ever talked about that side of it on this podcast, but I'm not, you know, in conversation, I'm, I'm open about that because I, you know, I, I've seen, you know, the way I look at it, one of the ways I used to help keep myself grounded, I was like, if I'm catch a little bit of notoriety in the hunting industry, like, don't go thumping your chest out like you cured cancer, you know, I mean, like, this is a great thing that we got going here, but yeah ground yourself buddy you know like to me talking to myself you know and um but but yeah one of the things that I've been able to turn that as and why I I like this book so much is because it opened my eyes to that and I've like I've seen that happen to other people and it turns into I mean you being in men's ministry I know you understand what I'm saying here it it can turn so ugly so quick and one of the things that you said in a podcast earlier I was listening to it was something about you were one of the podcasts, I think, where Will shot that elk like at three feet in front of him. You know, we've all seen that love hunting. But one of the comments was made. He would just as soon call a turkey or an elk or something in for somebody else. Yeah. Than he would even for himself. And man, there's just when we can get out of the way. One of the things that I really believe in. And there's a I don't know if you know John Maxwell, but John had said to me one time, he said, one of the greatest things that you can do is to add value to other people. He said, when you get up to speak, if you start to feel nervous, he says, you remember, this is not about you. This is about you adding value to other people. Because when you can do that, the nerves go away and it draws people to you. And man, one of the things that we can do with that is when when we can invite others into that, that we don't have to be somebody, that we want to make them somebody, let them know how special and how important they are. Um, it's, it's a humbling thing, which is a really good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the way that I think of it as, you know, if I can at any point, you know, like I, I look up to Will so much. I, you know, I valued his influence in my life. Like he, he was an influence in my life before I met him. For, a lot of us are the same in that. He was an influence when I was just watching him on screen. But um, having him there when I took on the role at Primo's and having to, you know, as you can imagine, and Will so down to earth, he wouldn't even like me saying this, but you know, you go to somewhere like the NWTF convention in Nashville, when we have conventions before COVID and everything, um, you go to the NWTF convention and Will's like the guy, you know, I mean, because we're talking about wild turkey and turkey hunting and Will was such a staple in growing that into the popularity that it is. You go to the convention, Will's, he's the guy, you know, he's who everyone wants to see. You know, it's like the way our the Primo's booth that we have there. It's always popular. There's always people there. But, you know, the second Will steps into that booth, here comes everybody. You know, he just has that that way about it. But he's just the most down to earth person. And he's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Of Like his identity is so not at all staked in people liking him and people thinking he's this all star turkey hunter. He's he's not there. Like, yeah, he's done those things, but that's that's not who he is. And he's so you know what he said to me about that? the book. He said, Brandon goes, I'm more than willing to take <clears throat> take a good look at your book. He said, but here's the thing. There's a lot of bad theology out there. And he said, so I want to have a good chance to look at before I would ever commit to something because I want to make sure that this is right mm-hmm. to someone to care that much. Because there's a lot of guys. Hey, I can get my name. And not that he would need that, but I, I can get my name in the book being an endorser. But to have someone say, I need to make sure I know. And he he got the book. He had it taken to FedEx or someplace and had had it printed out because it was only in a Word doc at the time. 
And he was reading it. He would call me on the phone and say, man, I've been reading this. I've been dog ear and stuff, underlining stuff. And I'm so funny because I found myself sitting there going, I can't believe he's sitting there telling me all about his book. And they started telling me about his foot, you know, as it's healing and all that stuff. Yeah. But that just shows how down to earth. And again, this is not this is not about Will. Like you said, he will want this to become about him. But it's about when we understand where our true identity comes from, it draws people to us because it's no longer about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's big. Yeah. And so I've, I've talked about. I've talked about this guy on the, on the, on our podcast so many times. Um, but I, it's hard for me to bring up this subject to be talking about this and not bring this guy up. Um, there's a guy I've talked about my raising and being able to surround myself with the right people. Um, the whole deal with me and Turkey hunting and coming up, well, the whole deal with me getting on with Primo's, it all started with Turkey. Hunting. That's what captured my heart first. That's what, that's what drew me to Primo's first was Turkey hunting videos. And uh, you talking about, again, you know, being willing to put yourself aside and adding value to others. That was a, a man named Keith Polk for me. Um, and, and I met him through the church that we went to. But like, I, can, I can firmly, confidently say, without a doubt, I would have never landed in any sort of position to, to be employed by Primo's if it wasn't for Keith investing in me and pouring into me and adding value to me. Um, and he's, you know, as far as met him through church, man of God, and just in my mind, and again, he's a humble guy too. And he's going to listen to this podcast because he listens to him every, he listens to them every week. And he's not going to like me saying this because he's a humble guy, but when, when you're, when we're talking about that kind of person, he started investing in me when I was 12, when I was nobody, I was just some kid that went to the same church and he felt led, compelled by the Lord that he needed to spend some time with this kid. And he's been, you know, he got me and him, we killed a turkey together. Well, at that age, I was 12, wanting to get in Turkey. And all I did was he points your gun that way and stay still, you know, <laughs> everything, else, everything else was all him. But uh, we were incredibly close, still are, you know, to this day. And that's when you think about someone going, this isn't about me, this is about something greater you know, take the light off me, shine at someone that that's what we're talking about here. And that's the kind of individuals all throughout that book. When I'm reading about that and the, the relating it back to the roar within that's, those are the kind of individuals that I think of. Yeah. we got a whole generation right now that is so confused about who they are. I'm not just talking about even sexual identity when we're hearing all this stuff on the news all the time, but I'm talking about, you know, who am I really? And you know, what a child almost always knows about God, it comes through their earthly father. And if you didn't have an earthly father, you might see God as distant or he doesn't care. He doesn't exist. If you had an abusive father, you see God as abusive, you know, all that. If you had someone like that man who invested in you, you know, my dad, my dad knew nothing about hunting. Here's a, here's how much he would take me hunting just because he knew I loved it. I'll never forget. First, first morning of, of it was gun season. First time he took me out. Here we are getting ready to get in the car. He goes, oh, hold on. He goes back in and puts on Old Spice. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, obviously, you know, scent control, you know, getting rid of all the, you know, expiring skin cells on our, you know, he's putting on Old Spice. We didn't see anything, but we had an amazing time together. He invested in me. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing. He was just trying to add value to me. If you want to be doing this, I'm, I'm going to be a part of it with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm thankful for those people in my life. I, and then again, talking to 
what I tell folks, what I've told close friends of mine, one thing that I've identified with a lot of, mainly this is the people that I know, you know, not so much on a, on a large scale. I just imagine that it probably would be a large, I just could see it be a common problem is, but one thing I hear a lot of guys thinking, they're like, man, who, who am I going to help? You know, I, I, I'm, what am I going to do? You know, I'm just a guy, you know? And I'm like, man, you never, you honestly, it sounds cliche, but it's true. You never know who you could be helping. Like the opportunities are there. I mean, you got to, again, I mean, there's so many stories. Like Keith, I promise, like Keith had no idea when he started pouring into me. Like I said, I was just a kid, you know, and, and those opportunities are there for, yep. you know, for you to, to invest in somebody to, to better yourself, especially if you're talking to a guy that's, you know, if he's a husband and a father. You know, you've got a child to pour into, a child to be that that person yeah. for. I was uh, leading a men's retreat two weeks ago out in Colorado, up in the mountains. And we were at about, I guess we were probably about 9,500 feet is where it was. And people were re- registering from across the country and they would show up. You know, I didn't know. I saw the name on the screen, but I didn't know a lot of these people. I get a call as I'm headed, um, you know, back into the mountains and before I lost cell service, and it's this guy who was coming from a, a, another city, is an inner city, one of our, I'm not going to say where, because I don't want him to, anybody to figure out who it would have been, but he's calling me and he goes, hey, I'm, I'm here at the, the Denver airport. And he goes, there's no rental cars available. And I said, yeah, you probably had to book a rental car, you know, some time ago. And he says, yeah, it's like four hours to where you're going to be. He goes, maybe I can Uber. And I'm going, you're going to Uber up into the mountains four hours away from there. That's going to be pretty pricey if you can even do it. And he said, yeah. And he goes, I, I don't have a tent. You know, this is an outdoor thing. We're not doing cabins here. This is we're roughing it. He goes, I don't have a sleeping bag. And I said, do you have any base layers? He goes, what are base layers? <laughs> and I said, uh, did you bring a jacket? He goes, no. He goes, I figured I'd just buy a blanket somewhere. Well, when the kid finally gets there, it was, it was one of these things where, we talk sometimes about the, you know, God leading us in the Holy spirit. God told me, he goes, I want you to call this one guy, you know, was coming to the retreat. And I'm thinking, well, he's already here. He, he was going to be ahead of time. He told me he was going to be a God says, I want you to call him. And I get a hold of this guy on the phone and he goes, you know, it's funny. I'm about ready to pass the, the Denver airport right now. And I said, well, it's kind of weird. Your name got you know brought up in my mind and I gave him a call. So this kid who has nothing, Gets a free trip all the way to where things are going to be. Some guy brought a truck camper so he didn't have to sleep on the ground. He ends up being in the warmest place of any of us the whole week. Uh, didn't need to have a sleeping bag. Didn't have. Well, I found out he was raised without a father. He knew nothing about the outdoors. All he knew was that he wanted to be in the company of men because he he wanted to he wanted to learn. You know, masculinity is something that's bestowed. It comes from a father to a son, a grandfather, an uncle, another man. I always say femininity can never bestow masculinity. It has to be passed down from the masculine soul. And he showed up. And by the time that the three days were over with, man, he was a different person. He was having life breathed in, into him from other men. Yeah. And so that's another one of those things about adding value. But it's, it's, it's adding identity. You know, he was discovering, you know, the masculine side of who he really was. It's yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty cool to watch. How, how often do you see situations where the kid doesn't have a father figure for whatever reason. And how often do you see a response like that where they're just hungry looking for something because they know something's missing, but they don't know where to find it. Oh, another kid comes, he was 20 some years old, comes to the same retreat, totally opposite. Now he didn't have a father, but he wasn't underprepared. 
this guy had so much testosterone, he was trying to prove he was a man because he didn't have that father figure. He's now trying to, to prove his masculinity and of the testosterone. You know, we're like kind of watching him trying to prove everything. So you had two different ends of the spectrum, one that didn't even know what masculinity looked like. And then you have the other guy that's posing so much trying to prove his masculinity. So, yeah, I get it a lot. Whenever you find um, whenever you find there was a fatherless home, uh, you know, whether it had been through a divorce or, you know, abandonment or whatever. Yeah, it's you can you can definitely see the guy really struggling with trying to figure out who he is. Yeah. Man, I know. I mean, we've seen that. We've talked about it on this podcast before we, we last year. I've, I've tried, I tried to make a point to uh, right around Father's Day. We always try to do like a Father's Day specific episode. Um, like last last year, we we talked to a guy named John Smith Baker. He leads a, an organization called Fathers in the Field Ministers. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. Um, well, again, I know we, um, we we have it local down here. Keith Keith Polk, who I talked about earlier, he's involved in it. I have other friends that have been involved in that ministry. You know, Mike McNeil. I don't believe he, he, he might not know that chapter, but yeah, he, he's a big part of that too. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's just, I, I've always had for whatever reason. I, and again, I, it's, it's funny. I was talking because this past father's day, we had uh, Chip Henderson on here. who's actually my pastor at Pine Lake. Um, but I told him, I said, folks, they hear, cause we started doing these father's day specific episodes and folks just assume the worst. They always think that I had some like bad, you know, upbringing and didn't have a father figure I'm like no my dad's great I just for what you know for I just feel so thankful and I've seen you know kind of what we're talking about here I've seen instances I've seen you know like the ministry that Keith's working with I, I just for some reason grew such a soft spot for for guys and young boys that don't have that you know and so I try to put it out there as much as I can because my frankly my heart just breaks for them you know well, the whole lack of purpose thing Cause he's looking for it. You know, like I said, his biggest question is every man, you know, as we're growing up, do I have what it takes? Am I enough? Mm-hmm. And so we're always trying to find out who we really are. And when we go to the way that the, the world would tell us, well, you gotta be big enough. You gotta be tough enough, smart enough, enough money, whatever, you know, we end up running to the things that we're really good at that people think we're really good at many times because we're getting something out of it and it feels good. Mm-hmm. And it can become addicted to that, just like you can become addicted to alcohol or porn or food. The thing that we find ourselves getting our worth and value that other people would say, wow, you know, that kind of a thing about us. We'll keep going back to that. Well, and it can become an idol, you know, in our life Um, rather than going to the one that made everything there is. You know, we find ourselves going to these these other places. You know, I always say sin is really attractive because it has an immediate payoff. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing. Whenever I have to try to pose to, to prove who I am, um, you know, it feels good in the moment. It's like one up in some guy, you know, we're all telling stories. Right. And if we've been in the hunting industry long enough, we've got tons of stories. And it's easy to find yourself one upping the other guy's story. Sometimes you don't even know you're doing it because, mm-hmm. hey, let me tell you about this story. But sometimes my motives are really good around that. But there have been times in my life where because I have been blessed to have a lot of stories but I can find myself one-upping someone because I started feeling less than for some reason, you know, my worth and value started coming from something else. And so I thought I would have to say this big story to get them to respect me. Right. That's, there you go. Number two on the man killers, lack of respect. I say, man, men don't struggle with respect. They struggle with their need for respect Mm -hmm. because as long as you're giving me the respect, I think I should have, I'm fine because my question of am I enough is being answered. 
But if all of a sudden someone's being disrespectful to me, you know, then number three, man killer anger, it's underneath the hood. It's right there. Some guy's running up your tail, right? You're driving your truck and you're going around somebody on the highway and you're going five mile an hour over the speed limit. And this guy's doing a hundred. I had this happen recently. Comes right up. I mean, he's two feet off my bumper and, and he's not putting his flashers on. And man, you feel that you feel like you're being disrespected. <laughs> and so, you know, the, you know, do you hit your brakes? You know, you do like I do sometimes and turn your windshield wiper fluid on yeah. <laughs> just to let them know, hey, or do you speed up and just get out of the way? You know, and when that happened in that moment at first, I felt that whole like that fight or flight thing. You know, it's like, dude, when you pass me, I'm going to go real slow when you go to go around me and I'm going to give you a piece of my mind as you go by. <laughs> and but then God said, hey, Brent, he said, uh, you don't know his story. You don't know why he might be in a big hurry. Could he be a jerk? Yeah, he absolutely could be. Well, something made him a jerk. You don't know his story. The best thing that you can do to keep yourself from being angry is just get out of the way. Just let the guy go around. Don't let it don't let it cause you to be angry. Just get out of the way. You don't know his story. So, yeah, I mean, there's and again, that was about all about identity. My worth and value didn't come from him. It comes because the God of the universe is in me as being a Christian, as we talk about. So why would I let someone else's disrespect affect who I really am? Because they don't have that kind of power. They didn't give me my worth and value. So why would I allow that to affect me? But we just we have to learn to get to that place, that roar within where we live from that place. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked just from me. I'm a I'm more I'm way more of a visual learner. You know, I, I like it. So the way that you were able to take those five things, you know, and like kind of and compare them to these different scenarios. Like I remember you were talking about the, the rhino, which it was the, the story about the vet with the rhino. Yeah. Holy smokes, man. Like that, 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 that was, I mean, it was an interesting story. It's hard to say that was a good story because gracious, but it, it, yeah, for, the, for the guys that are listening to it, what ended up happening was, this vet, you know, that we worked with over in Africa was darting rhinos because they were going to give him inoculations to make sure they're healthy. Yeah. And uh, he, he shot this thing, you know, with the dart, not thinking that the rhino could see him and it saw him. And one thing with rhinos is they don't see very good. So just don't move because usually they'll just run around you. And he ran and the rhino came up from behind him and the first horn went up through his thigh and then it tossed him back onto the second horn, broke his back, and then it tosses him off into an acacia tree, which is like a honey locust tree, those big old thorns. And he was literally now broken back, hole in his thigh, and he's, he's Velcroed into this tree. And uh, so when we were filming, he told me, he says, listen, he says, here's your, here's your orientation. He said, if I say do not run and you run, you will die. <laughs> End of orientation. I said, that's it. And then he told me the story. Yeah, yeah. Don't move. <laughs> but that was all around because rhinos, they don't really do much of anything. They, they go to the bathroom in the same place all day long. So you're looking for their big dung pile. That's how you kind of find them. But they graze all day long. That's about what they do. And when a man lacks purpose, all of a sudden he's sitting around and bored. He doesn't know what to do with his life. And his question is, you know, do I have what it takes is, well, if I did have what it would take, I wouldn't be sitting around doing nothing. I'd have purpose. I'd be out there doing something. Yeah. And it was just, it, it came across and, and what I, actually what I've gone, I figured out now. And so I was thinking again, your, your book was in my truck, so I don't have it anymore. And so, but I can finish it because it's also on Amazon audible. So I've been, <laughs> I've been listening to it that way, but I, it was just, it comes across that you, you obviously, you know, through, 
you know, going to Africa. And then obviously, I mean, there was bear stories in there. I mean, you've, you've obviously, you've gone through a lot of things to be able to tell these stories and make comparisons with them, make a lot of these visualizations to where it keeps it interesting to a guy like me and a lot of us that, that were outdoors and, you know, that those kind of stories will interest us. And it made it to where, like I said, I'm a visual learner. So when you're making these comparisons like that with the, you know, we're talking about the rhino, it just, I, it was able to click in my head better. And so I, I, I've, what I have been able to read so far and what is, what is left to do on, uh, to take care of on audible. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's been a great book and I, I really appreciate you, you doing, you, you doing what you've done and the purpose behind it. Well, I appreciate, you know, that I think one of my favorite stories out of the book, I don't know if you had a chance to get this far, but you know, when we were talking about God and being able to listen to God's voice, not just, hey, I'm a believer, but we actually have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on the porch. We were out in Colorado in a little private hand-built cabin in the mountains. Um, and I got up one morning. I'm a bow hunter. You know, I've been been with bear archery since 2006. I do know this story. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I, you know, we took our rifles along. Um, it, I had a bear tag and, and you could use rifle if you wanted to. But it, for my sponsorships, you know, it doesn't do me any good because I'm all bow. But I took my OT6 with me because I thought, you know, the very last day we'll get out on the porch if we've all taken an animal or something. We'll put targets out there, 100, 200, 300, 400, you know, see what guys can be the most accurate. Just playing around the last day. And that final morning I got up and I was out on the porch and I was taking all my camo and base layers out um, of my, you know, my plastic tubs and everything and getting dressed. And I'm always the first guy out. I mean, I like to be out there and I want to make sure that any sound I'm making, all all my scent is, you know, gone, everything I can possibly do. And I, I was going to a blind I had set up like six days before near a spring. And I didn't hunt it the whole week. I wanted to just kind of leave it alone. Um, and so as I, I'm standing on the porch, I felt this voice say to me, Brian, I want you to take your gun. And I'm arguing with this voice saying, why would I take my gun? That doesn't make any sense. And my buddies are all coming out of the cabin going, why haven't you left yet? And I said, this is going to sound funny, but I said, I'm feeling this voice. And they knew who I was talking about. I, was talking about. I feel like God's telling me to take my gun. And they said, why would you take your gun? You know, your sponsorships it doesn't do you any good on that end of things. I said, I know. And so they all left and I'm still arguing with God. Finally, I said, all right. So I, I grabbed my, my gun, you know, my bow, you can take both with you out there. Yep. And I've got about, I don't know, three quarter mile to a mile hike up through the mountains to get to this location. And there's three times this trail splits and I'm in the dark. And I get to the first split in the trail and I need to go right because it's pruned and, you know, you're not going to leave skin cells and mix sound. But I feel this, this voice say to me, Brent, I want you to go left. And I go, why would I go left? He said, do you trust me? I'm like, all right. So I go left. You know, I have to take some of my stuff off to get through all the, the, the oak scrub and everything. I get back on the main trail and I'm trying to make up time because I know it's going to be light before too long. And man, I come to the second split in the trail and that same voice says to me again, I want you to go left when I was wanting to go right. And now I'm arguing with God. I'm going, hey, hey, God, I got sponsorships in the scent control. And I know what I'm doing here. I know how to do it. Do you trust me? And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I trust you. He said, all right, I want you to go left. So I'm going left and I'm making sounds on these, these shale rock and all this stuff. And I'm trying to make up time. I get to the third split in the trail. And I said, I know you want me to go left. (laughs) So I go left and I'm coming out to where the blind is and it's getting light now. And as I'm walking up, I'm looking at my blind and I'm going, something isn't right. And as I get close, the whole blind is crushed. 
yes, and it was a shack attack that blind, blind that Primo's put out. It was one of the smaller ones. Yeah. Um, uh, you know Mike Powell? Very well. Yeah, he had sent me a couple. It's been a few years ago now, and I had taken one out there. I mean, it's flattened. The hubs are all apart. And I walk up, and there's a big pile of still steaming bear crap sitting right three feet in front of it. My elk decoy is laying over there with bite marks in it. My scent control bottle is emptied out and smashed and teeth marks. And I'm like, man, he was just here. So I'm getting inside of this thing. I'm trying to get the hubs all put back together. And as I'm texting a buddy saying, you won't believe what just happened. The bear has totally trashed all my stuff here. He's texting me back saying, you know, he doesn't like you. And we're kind of joking. And I look out the front window of this blind and here comes this bear right at me. I didn't have time to grab my bow. All I had time was grab my gun. And by the time I pulled it up, all I saw was brown. And I pulled the trigger, dumped that bear on the spot. And for about the next two minutes, I sat there. And then my hands started shaking because I realized what could have just happened. I don't know if you saw the picture of the bear in the book. I know I'd sent it to, to Will. I said, did you ever see a bear like this before? He says, I haven't. Well, they were testing it because it looked like it was a cross between a grizzly and a black bear. And they've had some of that crossbreeding happening. Yeah. And uh, they said that would make total sense because he was so aggressive. But had I not listened to that voice on the porch every time the trail split, I don't know what the end of that story would have looked like. I just know how it ended the way that it was now. And it was one of those things that when we listen, when we learn to listen to the voice of God, that roar within, what I'm talking about is that the moment that we truly become believers and Christ comes into our spirit, that's my true identity now. That's my roar. And when I learn to live out of that place and listen to it, it's a game changer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. Incredible story. And uh, man, an incredible book. Um, before, before we let you go, I, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Where, where can, where can the folks listen to this Where First and foremost, where can they find the book? Um, and then how can they keep up with you? Do you have yeah. That? If you want to, uh, you know, get the, uh, the audio version, like we were talking about, just go to audible. You know, I've got a couple. I had a, my last book was called Into the Wilds. It's it's out there on Audible too, but this one just came out about two months ago. So you can get that off Audible. And then if you just want to go to, you can go to Amazon, you can go to Barnes and Noble, you can go to Books a Million, ChristianBooks.com. You know, there's all kinds of places. Just Google it. It'll pop up. Gotcha. And if you want to follow me a little bit more too, um, you can find me. Um, there's a, a, it's called Men Ministry, not men's, but menministry.org. And so you can find out more there. Gotcha. Well, man, thank you so much for the conversation. Um, I appreciate appreciate what you've done. Appreciate you your interest in us and coming on the show and everything. Maybe we can get you back on in the future, um, guys. Be sure to check out this book. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sure I'm, I've, I've got a little bit left. Again, I'm <laughs> a little bit left. I'll finish it on Audible. But Brent, thank you again for coming on. I really do. Appreciate yeah, it's it. my pleasure. It's been an honor. Thank you much. Absolutely, guys. If you have any questions, as always, don't hesitate to send them in. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the conversation. And as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.